It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Today, tonight, this morning, whenever you're listening to this, we are talking about the Packers winning their preseason finale 27-21 against the Kansas City Chiefs. And as always with the preseason, the final score does not matter. Uh, the Packers won. Great. It, it really doesn't matter. Uh, the wins start becoming a factor. They start actually mattering a week from now. What's important is what we learned on Thursday night. And there was more than, frankly, I thought we would learn. Uh, because before the game, Matt LaFleur said some things that we're going to talk about a little later about the starting roster and covered a topic that I wanted to spend a considerable amount of time on this podcast discussing, and we we just can't do it anymore because Matt LaFleur took all the drama out of it. The, the thing that I think we have to start with, and really the big news from Thursday's 27-20 win over the Kansas City Chiefs has to be the backup quarterback situation. What we saw was Deshaun Kaiser outplaying Tim Boyle. And I know that's going to come as a disappointment to a lot of fans who were very high on what Tim Boyle did against Oakland and what he's done against future footlocker employers in the preseason over years past. But what Deshaun Kaiser did, and the numbers really underplay what he did, 8 of 15 for 77 yards, a touchdown, an interception, a 62 rating. Okay. But there were at least three drops in there, and I would probably I would probably add more plays, bad plays on the receivers in this situation because the interception I felt like was on Jamon Moore, who is not going to be on this team, and Deshaun Kaiser might not be on this team either. But he made a number of really good throws that were not rewarded. Jay Sternberger down the seam, drop, beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous deep ball from his own end zone with the pocket collapsing around him to Tio Redding drop. Just alligator arms drop and an absolutely perfect fade throw. I think fades are stupid. I love fade stops, but fades are bad. Okay. I, I do not like fades. And every analytic measurement of fade says do not throw them. But Kaiser threw a perfect ball, an absolutely perfect dime piece throw to the back of the end zone to T.O. Redding over the outstretched arms of the cornerback, and Redding dropped it. So he comes back and, and makes a beautiful throw, Evan Bayless touchdown, 
And look, if you want to judge it on this game, and we can't only judge it on this game, but the Packers said it's close coming into this game. Tim Boyle finishes three for six, 18 yards and a touchdown. That touchdown came on a play where Matt LaFleur did all the work. It was a beautiful Kyle Shanahan-esque, really a Kyle Shanahan play to get the to leak the tight end out wide open all Boyle had to do was throw it to Jay Sternberger who did leave this game with an injury but came back out jogging out in pads in the second half and we don't know the status of of his injury but it doesn't seem serious if he's going to run back out on the field in the second half so hopefully he can come back and be a factor for the Packers at some point it's not going to be early but at some point The reason this is the lead story is because, number one, it has taken up a lot of oxygen on Packers Twitter and on Sports Talk Radio and in the minds of Packer fans. The backup quarterback situation is important to them. Less important to me, and I've made that clear. I made it clear about why I feel that way. To me, this comes down to something that is pretty simple and was on display from Boyle with starters, and that is, Only one of those two quarterbacks can do anything positive if the pocket is not perfect. Tim Boyle needs perfect pocket conditions to be effective. And in Mike McCarthy's offense, I think you can make the case Tim Boyle would have been the better choice to start in a situation like, you know, the Bears game week one or week 17 when Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. Tim Boyle was is just the better fit for what Mike McCarthy wanted to be. Shotgun, sit back there, make throws, and sling it deep. Matt LaFleur wants to do more with play action. He wants to move the pocket. And that is just more in Deshaun Kaiser's wheelhouse. And more to the point, Kaiser, when the play breaks down, he can use his legs and create a first down. When the pocket is not there... He can step up or roll left or right and make a throw. Tim Boyle can't do that. When he has to make an off-platform throw, he can't do it. When he has to make a throw with pressure in his face, he can't do it. When he has to move off his spot, he cannot make accurate throws. And when you look at the talent, the pedigree, I know I've gotten teased about the pedigree thing. It's real. Talent is real. And Deshaun Kaiser at 23, if he can play better within the structure of the offense, he can do the out-of-structure stuff. And in this offense, I really think this is the perfect offense to maximize his skill set. And if I were in charge, he would be QB2 for me. I'm not in charge. Now, speaking of things that I'm not in charge of but would like to be, uh, Dexter Williams made his case on Thursday night. This was by far his best preseason game. Nine carries, 34 yards, and a touchdown. That's not going to look particularly impressive. But he also had two catches in the screen game, one for 21, one for nine. So all in all, it ends up being 11 touches, 64 yards, and a touchdown. Suddenly, that looks a lot better, and he caught both of the screen passes. That was a question coming in. He had struggled in the passing game. Could he be more than just a one-cut runner. Not only was he more than just a run-cut runner on Thursday night, he made plays in the passing game, yes, but there were also plays, a couple of them, where he made men miss in the backfield. He had a dead leg run to the outside. He made a man miss in the hole and created a nice little run getting to the edge. Those kinds of things 
matter for the Packers. And they are things that could get him on this team. There are things that could win him a roster spot. And so when we're talking about guys who are trying to make this team, Dexter Williams needed to play this well to, to solidify his spot because he could just as easily have, have been on the practice squad or just as easily said, look, uh, the Packers don't think that you can get down the assignment stuff and so you're out. Well, after showing the talent that he was drafted to show, all of a sudden things look a little bit different for his prospects making the team. Now, the Packers have until Saturday to make these choices. It's not as if you know everything is done and set in stone. They could still be looking for an inside linebacker. They definitely need to be looking for an inside linebacker. Ty Summers, although he had that really nice interception return, he is consistently out of position, does not look like he is ready to be an NFL player, and they only have one linebacker right now who can do that. So I think what you're going to see is Green Bay look at cutdown players. You're going to see them look at available free agents, and they're going to sign somebody. Maybe it's once Equinemius St. Brown goes on IR. Maybe it is someone that they add after all these cuts are made and they waive someone else. I mean, it is not until Monday or Tuesday that as a player you can finally feel safe. That was something there was a, a, an agent that I follow on Twitter mentioned that. Like I tell my clients, you're not safe until preparations for week one start because other players are going to be cut. There could be trades. I mean, there's a lot of roster machinations still to come. But someone like Marcus Jones, for example, he comes out and has a, a big pressure, big hit on the QB, turns into Ty Summers' pick, has a fumble recovery, bats a ball at the line of scrimmage. Packers need an outside linebacker. They traded Reggie Gilbert. That leaves them with the Smiths, Gary, and Fackrell. Is that enough in a 3-4? Maybe he forced his way onto this roster. Maybe he did. I don't know. We'll see. And then I think a name that we have to talk about as well in terms of who stood out from the game on Thursday night, Kingsley Kiki, is that dude. To get someone who can play defensive end, who can play inside, who can play outside, who can play nose tackle in a pinch if you need him to, in the fifth round is really a steal. And what we saw from Kiki is the strength, the upper body ability to control blockers, to stack and shed offensive linemen. I mean, he consistently wins his battle with offensive linemen. And he was never in jeopardy of missing this roster with as many defensive linemen as they currently have. But it's more than that for him. He has put himself in position to say, not only am I defensive lineman four, you need to play me. I can help you win football games. And, and when you draft someone you know, in the fifth round, you are not expecting them to be that guy. But when you look at what he's done on the field, he's proven that he can be an impact defender against you know, substandard players. It's not like he's playing against ones. He can dominate twos and threes. He has earned a shot to play against starters. And I think we're going to see him in week one against Chicago. He's going to be on the field, and he's going to be someone that Green Bay is going to have in their rotation as they look to stop the Chicago Bears offense. 
Before we move on, I want to remind you, today's episode is brought to you by Brewtown Trading Co. Brewtown is the number one destination in Wisconsin for buying, selling, and trading sports cards and memorabilia. Brewtown, home of the hobby's biggest hits. The reopening is right around the corner, and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Do you really want the next person to see your down there hair to think you weren't expecting anyone to see it? No one wants that. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced while preparing yourself for post quarantine life. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, water resistant, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the perfect one two punch to keep your one two punch fresh all day long. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on. Matt Williamson brings the scouts' perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. You got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah, I just want to throw a couple nuggets out on Allen, and I know he's a lot bigger a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted, and he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws, but his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. So along with the quarterback, the backup quarterback battle, one of the big battles was going to be this Lane Taylor Elton Jenkins thing. And then before the game starts, I mean, I expected one of them to play. Before the game starts, Matt LaFleur says Lane Taylor is the starter. And this is after several days where offensive linemen, interior offensive linemen are being dealt and, and being dealt for draft picks and, and legitimately useful draft picks. The Patriots traded a fourth round pick to get a Ravens interior offensive lineman and the Browns traded multiple picks to get a Bills interior offensive lineman. And I'm watching this going, either Lane Taylor isn't really available or the Packers are holding out for a bigger offer. And maybe the Packers are still holding out for a bigger offer. And maybe this is just posturing from Matt LaFleur. I think more likely, it was always the case that the Packers believed Elton Jenkins was the long-term solution at left guard. And that Lane Taylor should be the starter 
in 2019. If for no other reason, then at some point, Brian Bulaga is going to get hurt. Billy Turner, they've already telegraphed this. Billy Turner is going to slide over to right tackle and Elton Jenkins is going to play right guard. So if that's your plan, you have to keep Lane Taylor. Because if you cut Lane Taylor, first of all, you're, you're leaving value on the floor because you clearly could have gotten something for him in a trade. There's no question. Two teams with deep ties to the Packers, with working relationship with the Packers, traded for interior offensive linemen. If the Browns and the Patriots needed interior offensive linemen, they called the Packers about Lane Taylor. If you trade Lane Taylor or you cut Lane Taylor, well, first of all, if you cut Lane Taylor to get nothing for him, you've failed. If you trade Lane Taylor and Brian Bulaga gets hurt, Billy Turner slides to right tackle, now you've got to put Justin McCray in, you've got to put Lucas Patrick in, and there's just no reason, unless you're going to get serious compensation, and by serious I mean, you know, a, a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick for Lane Taylor, then you, you just can't afford to, to make that sacrifice. You need Lane Taylor because you expect Brian Bulaga is going to miss games. So if that's the case, the only reasonable backup offensive tackle you have on the team is Billy Turner because Alex Light is too unproven for you to feel really good about him playing. You like his development, and I think he's going to make this team because he's really the only true offensive tackle that they have who is not also playing a different position. Billy Turner is the team's starting right guard. He can't play both at once. So it never made sense to just say, well, let's just move on from Lane Taylor. No, why? Either get something for him or keep him. Those are really the only two viable options. Cutting him would have represented a massive failure in tactic from the Packers. And ultimately, I don't think that's what we're going to see. Now, the question for the Packers is who of these players who are borderline are you looking at for practice squad? And a couple names stand out here. If Chandon Sullivan, I will not be surprised if Chandon Sullivan just makes the team outright. And that was a name that that Jason and I discussed yesterday in character. Uh, I know some of you were were annoyed that you couldn't really figure out who was actually being discussed because we were <laughs> talking in character. But Chandon Sullivan is someone who we felt like was a borderline roster player. Who may, maybe he's fifty four out of fifty three. Maybe he sneaks onto this team. If he doesn't, does he get an NFL job? And if he doesn't, does he get onto the practice squad? He's certainly someone who has shown some things in the preseason. Someone like Will Redmond, who played, I thought, a very good game on Thursday night. He looks like he's solidified his spot on this team. But what about these other safeties? Natral Jamerson was playing nickel corner. He was... <sighs> He wasn't very good on Thursday. And so if he's going to make this team, it's going to be because they see him making significant strides in his game. I don't know. It's tough for me to, to predict that. I think Marcus Jones is, is another player we talked about. I think the Packers would love to sneak him onto the practice squad. They don't want to use a roster spot on someone like that who is such a projection. Now, he look, he was the Division II leader in tackles for loss. But Division Two, unproven. You know, I mean, these are these are not the kinds of players that that you want to put faith in. Now, 
the, there are the kind of players that you want to say, put them on the practice squad and see what they can do. Tio Redding, you know, he did drop those two passes from Kaiser, but he made a number of other plays. Got open across the middle of the field. His size is real. His leaping ability is real. I mean, four catches, 49 yards, led the Packers in receiving. So, can he, and, and was out there on punt return. Is that enough to make this team? I doubt it, but practice squad, maybe. It's going to depend on some of the other receivers on this team. Is Darius Shepard going to make the team outright? The fumble tonight on kick return, not going to help. Not going to help. Now, I think he still makes the roster, but that did not help his case. Jamon Moore, he's out. Done. Practice squad, maybe. Alan Lazard on IR, maybe. Didn't play on Thursday and is dealing with a concussion. Can they, can the Packers say, well, put him on IR, stash him? Maybe, maybe. But so how many guys can you get on the practice squad? I think Redding you can get on the practice squad. Shepard? I don't know. He's been really good in the preseason, been very good in practice. Now, other teams did not get to see him practice. So maybe they're not as up to speed, but they have Twitter too. You know? If you can see it, they can see it. They know he's been impressive in practice, but he was also a tryout guy who doesn't have great measurables, who played at a a non-Blue Blood program, although I guess, you know, in terms of non-major college schools, practice squad, yeah, maybe. Maybe. The receiver question is a fascinating one because EQ is almost certainly making the 53 and then going on IR. After that, it's like, okay, Devontae, MVS, Allison, Kumaro, those are your four. EQ makes five. Trevor Davis makes six in all likelihood. Your number one returner. Darius Shepard's fumble, I think, all but sealed that on Thursday. And then is there anyone else? What do they do with Lazard? I don't know. He's hurt. IR seems like, I mean, that's what they did with Kumaro last year. And your shoulder is just hurt. You're injured. IR. And they were able to sneak him back on the field because they needed him by the middle of the season. He could be someone they designate to return. I think more likely it's someone like EQ. But maybe they wave him. He's hurt. He's in, he's in concussion protocol. And so other teams are like, well, we can't evaluate him because he's in concussion protocol. And the Packers are able to get him on you know, the practice squad or something that way. We'll see. Before we finish up, let's talk about my bookie. It's a new season. And the one thing that hasn't changed is where I'm putting my money down on all the games. And this is something I'm really, really excited about. I've been wanting to play the Super Contest forever and have just not wanted to front the money for it, to be honest. And plus, you have to go to Vegas. It's a whole thing. My bookie is having the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. My bookie also has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy people out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player is going to score. Right now, use the promo code Locked On to double your first deposit bonus up to 1000 who doesn't want free money? Go to mybookie.com. Use the promo code locked on when creating your account to claim your bonus. At mybookie, bet, win, get paid. 
Listen up, Packer fans. Here is your opportunity to win free tickets to the Bears-Packers game week 15. This game could be for the division, and Brewtown Trading Co. wants to send you and a buddy for free. Brewtown is your number one destination in Wisconsin for buying, selling, and trading sports cards and memorabilia. Here is how to enter. You can go to Brewtown's store on 76th and Cold Spring, just off 894 in Greenfield, to receive five entries to win when you mention Locked on Packers. While you're there, check out the shop. They're always stocked with the hottest releases of wax from Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck. Plus, they're always interested in your unwanted sports cards and memorabilia. They're always having events, so follow their social accounts for the latest schedule. Use the Locked on Packers hashtag on the Brewtown Facebook page or on Twitter for another free entry to win tickets. Not local? Check out their live breaks on Facebook or have them ship product directly to your house. Again, Brewtown Trading Co. located just off 894 at 76th and Cold Spring in Greenfield and on Facebook and Twitter at Brewtown Trading Co. Brewtown, home of the hobby's biggest hits. One last thing I want to discuss here before we look toward week one is the Packers struggled last year to create turnovers was one of the worst teams in the league forcing interceptions now part of that is pressure you create more pressure and you're able to force more missed throws NFL quarterbacks if they're given time to sit in the pocket and make throws they're going to make accurate throws the Packers in the preseason and this has been an emphasis you bring in pressure guys Zadarius and Preston Smith, you you sign Adrian Amos. Not an interception guy, but a very good safety. You draft Darnell Savage. The the focus of the defense is playmaking. And that was it last year, too. You you draft Jair Alexander, you draft Josh Jackson. These are interception makers. Darnell Savage, a playmaker on defense, someone who can play the ball and create turnovers. Adrian Amos. Maybe won't get a ton of interceptions, but maybe can force some fumbles. Zadarius and Preston Smith get in the backfield, create some pressure, force the quarterback to throw the ball up for grabs or strip sacks. Hey, how about that? I mean, the fact that they did not force a fumble last year says as much about the pass rush as it does anything else. Because the pass rush is where you force a lot of fumbles. Strip sacks. Packers couldn't do it could not create pressure, could not get around the quarterback when he had the ball to create strip sacks. So they spent the offseason trying to fix this. And whether or not they can, obviously, that's a that's a thing that we're going to have to find out. We're going to see. But in the preseason, and I know mostly backups, you know, mostly guys who are not going to be on the roster, in fact. I got a text from my dad Thursday night. Hey, you know, defense looks really bad. Well, it's been mostly backups. But what you have noticed is the turnovers. Forcing fumbles, punching the ball out, getting interceptions, creating pressure that leads to interceptions. The interception on Thursday night was not a great defensive play by Ty Summers. It was a great running back play after he caught the ball. But that play was started by pressure and a hit on the quarterback, the ball flies up in the air and Ty Summers makes a play on the ball. The Packers weren't doing that last year. They weren't creating those opportunities for their defense. Now, we don't know that the Packers' defense, as currently constituted, is going to be any different than it was last year in terms of creating turnovers. But 
the preseason suggests that the emphasis on it, punching the ball out, at the very least, something like that, that can pay dividends. Now, Marcus Jones beating a UPS driver at offensive tackle to create a pressure, that is not repeatable in the regular season in all likelihood. Although there are plenty of teams that that start offensive tackles that are just not good. But the Packers have better players to attack better offensive linemen. They have Zadarius Smith now and Preston Smith now and Kenny Clark who can create pressure. And they have a secondary that is more likely to hold up when Mike Patton dials up these designer blitzes, these exotic looks. The, the Packers had to dial back these blitz looks when their secondary went to hell and with injuries. Being able to have guys that you trust to cover, safeties that can cover up for mistakes, that trickles down. Now you can get some more unique blitz looks. You can be more disguising in your coverage. You can create more confusion with the line and with the quarterback. And that leads to turnovers, to interceptions, to miscommunications, to tipped balls. We've seen a number of of plays where the Packers tipped balls at the line of scrimmage and the ball goes up in the air up for grabs. Kingsley Kiki did it. Marcus Jones did it. Those plays create turnovers. That has been lacking with Green Bay going back a number of seasons now. And the emphasis appears to be paying dividends when you put big-time players out there, when you get to put Adrian Amos out there and a first-round pick like Darnell Savage or a first-round pick like Rashawn Gary or big-money free agents like Preston and Zadarius Smith. Think about the difference they can make. Now, yes, they're going up against better players, but they are also better than the guys Green Bay was trotting out there last year. And that part of this cannot be understated. All right, next week, we are going to kick off the 2019 NFL season. Packers, Bears, who are also quite literally going to kick off the 2019 NFL season Thursday night in Chicago, the NFC North division title not up for grabs, but the the fight for it begins in earnest on Thursday. Uh, ben Fennel from The Athletic is going to join us. We're going to have Crossover Wednesday. For those of you new to the program and don't know about Crossover Wednesday, every Wednesday during the NFL season, we have the host of the opponent for the Packers come on the show. I do their show, they do mine, and we get a feel for the other team on, on days and, and weeks. When the Packers are playing an uncommon opponent, I like to bring in a second guest just to really cover, you know, the Broncos, for example. We're going to have the Locked On Broncos host, and I'm going to try and get someone else to come in on Thursday to have a discussion about the Broncos because they're an uncommon opponent. I'm going to try and do the same thing with, let's say, the Cowboys or the Eagles or the Chargers or the Chiefs just because it's not someone that Packer fans are super used to and so that maybe they want a little bit more insight. This week... Everyone knows the Bears, and it's a Thursday game, so we just don't have time for that. So Monday, we'll talk about final cuts. Tuesday, Ben Fennel will be on the program. Wednesday, crossover Wednesday, and Thursday, Thursday is the game. So we will have everything you need from the game, but the only show Thursday, anything that I put out on Thursday is going to be dated by the time you listen to it in all likelihood. So Thursday, we're going to put up a show late Thursday. And then that's going to be it. I, I'm, I may decide to do a show Friday with questions. We'll see what happens. We'll see what the game brings us. But right now, my plan is 
that Thursday, the only show we're going to do Thursday is from the game. The compressed timeline just just makes it all wonky. So that's what we're going to try and do. And, and we're going to try and make it work that way. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, I'm sure you'll have thoughts on final cuts. You can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite college team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.